Attention, Pokemon players. You are listening to Triple P, the Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast. On today's episode, Chuck gets another teammate. Jake calls no Mew. And the United States gets its first regional in two years. I am so pumped, Chuck. How are you doing this week? I am doing fantastic. Yes. So uh, how, it, how, how was your week? How was your week? What, what, what makes it so fantastic? Uh, it's just a fun week of Pokemon news and just things happening. Uh, I mean, I started out not doing much during uh, the week from Pokemon wise from last week's uh, episode, but then right. the weekend kicked in. I, I visited my store the, the, that I'm a part of the team challenge of the vault. Uh, it was a fun experience for the first time visiting there. Um, even though I, I, I qualified for their team challenge uh, online but, online online uh but it's a great store great space i love it uh uh participated in some pack battles uh down there which is a fun little side thing they have going on down there you do any squats no no it's <laughs> so, no, no uh, punishments nope no it's no punishments but they uh they uh unlike most stores up here uh have like a like not necessarily uh, most stores a lot of people have product but they have individual packs from a lot of different sets still available for purchase oh wow um so uh that we did like a pack battle with local devin and steve uh and and rick came in mm. uh too uh but uh we just basically buy a pack and they have all i mean they have everything from sword and shield currently but then they have some older stuff still like some unbroken bonds uh, I remember seeing Fates Collide, but they have Hidden Fates packs. They still have Shining Fates packs that you can buy individually. I'm guessing they opened ETBs or something, right? Or whatever. Right. Um, but they're selling them in, and and they have some V. They have some Japanese sets. So that was the big thing. Uh, like we did a couple like Brilliant Stars. You know, you pay the usual mm-hmm. stuff, and then the but the winner. The thing was like we each buy a pack, and then the winner, whoever pulls. The best card or the most valuable card keeps everything. Oh, it's everything. so we had some pr- pretty good brilliant stars battles uh, over over things. Uh, I lost a shaman uh, because Devin pulled uh, an anti and just beat me by like fifty cents. Right, but uh, <laughs> I won the one that I wanted to win because the Vmax Climax packs were a little bit more expensive than. Uh, your usual pack because uh they're japanese and they're harder to get uh and i won that one uh so i with a, a good old rapid strike urshifu Vmax, and a dust character rare uh beat out or no i i pulled a mimikyu Vmax that beat out the rapid strike urshifu Vmax. okay okay it was more valuable so yeah, but uh, that there's there's a little bit more because there's still Japanese exclusive cards in there. Because um, I think Devin pulled a rock rough character rare that you could only get in Vmax Climax packs because it's That's not awesome. The, it's not out in the U.S. yet. So I let him keep it. I didn't want to be a jerk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I took that rapid strike though and put it in my deck. <laughs> nice, nicely done. <laughs> yeah, this week uh, was it was a heavy week for me this weekend for Pokemon. Uh, so. Uh, going into locals, 
um, was playing an Arceus, an Arceus Inteleon, just straight Arceus Inteleon. Uh, I've been loving mm-hmm. that deck. I played um, over this weekend. I played over 100 games with that deck. Um, it's just so fun. Um, and, and just the, the thoughtfulness and the decision making are a lot different um, than we've been used to lately, um, previous to Arceus coming out. And then watching most of not all of Salt Lake City, um, you know, regionals, which was awesome to watch. And we're going to go into that a little bit later, um, but was really kind of inspired by the, the dark box slash Arceus Inteleon engine as well. Um, a lot of cool um, variants and decision making um, and just matchup decision makings, uh, you know, possibilities out there and got a good handful of games in there probably about 20 um after watching uh i believe it was ian rob uh, a list very sim- similar to his um i really liked it so i just been playing a lot of pokemon watching a lot of pokemon had a very very fun um weekend when it comes to yeah. you know all that irl play oh, yeah i mean it was a big weekend for irl with the i mean the U it's maybe not the first regional back, but the U the first U S regional right uh, back in IRL. And, and I was, I was having a lot of fun watching it and playing kind of just like at my own pace or whatnot. Um, but it really, really made me jealous that I didn't decide to go. Um, I could have, and I'm like, Oh, I didn't really even um, consider it just because, you know, I'm going, I'm going to two plus um, Columbus. If, if all, you know, nothing sells out. Um, but then the wife's like, yeah, you should have gone. I was like, that was even an option. <laughs> it was like, dang it. I should have gone. <laughs> but uh, no, 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 it was fun. Uh, but hey, if you really wanted to hit a third, there's still Milwaukee. But who wants to? Never mind. <laughs> we're, 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 hey, maybe, maybe we'll maybe. see. Maybe. I, I don't want to go alone, but I, I would go to Milwaukee potentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, no, I, like, we'll, we'll talk lots about um salt lake city here after you know the news segment but we we do have our beginning of the show shenanigans um i love i love these segments um keeps it fresh keeps it a little bit different every week um Mm -hmm. but which one do you want to start off you want to start trivia you want to start random card uh let's go trivia first it's It's time time for trivia trivia all right let's go trivia because i'm going to stump you this week okay so if you were going to do your Japanese set and name that English set that correlates with it. I did pull up the list. I am prepared, so let's go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I am going to stump you with those lists. And I told you last week, because it's probably, I probably have to find something new. I pulled the, I think I might be milking this a little too far, but I said I was going to go back a little bit uh, to a different era to try and find something to stump you with. I... I'm going to go with... Aquapolis. No. <laughs> so we're going to go back into the X and Y era. All right. Go on. And the com... The one... There's one set for this one. All right. And the name of this set in Japan was called Awakening of Psychic Kings. just looking at the xy because i I obviously is for mine Mm -hmm. Uh, 
which one do you think it fits? Ancient Origins? Close, but no. It, it. it, it, It was Fates Collide on that one. Oh man! I mean, I have a list of all like all of the li- like um, yeah you know, set the- names, the English set names, and that one kind of jumped out at me. Um, but you know, ancient origin sounded maybe I don't know, but yeah, uh, it was close. Uh, to be honest, a lot of them are pretty hard or pretty easy. Because if yeah. I would have gave you, uh, let's say, Rising Fist, I think you would have got it. That's the Japanese yeah, one. Yeah, Furious Fist. Yeah, that would have for been. For Furry Fist. Yeah, so they're yeah, either for... like that or they were like the one I gave you. Right, right. Like <laughs> the... So, eh, like I said, that... might be the last week I get to do this one. I might have to come up with a new shtick. Yeah, you might have to. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, that was fun. I, I, you got me. And all I right, know why, t- some people might say I was cheating because I had a list of all the English names up there. Um, but I don't know. So I'm, I just feel like it gives me well, at least an educated guess. <laughs> well, when we're talking about the fact that there has been 91 expansions, I think, right. yeah, I'm, I'm looking at my list. There have been 91 different English expansions. So, I mean, that's a lot of things just to remember. Right. And that's not, that's not including special ones. Yeah. People that people that know me know that I won't, I don't have the best memory sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me pull up the card I have. Okay, um, so this card is standard usual as per the use, um, and we're going to go an attack this time. So it's name that Pokemon this attack belongs to. Fury Wrath. Uh, Fury, Fury Wrath. Oh, um, this is another one. It's like, I'm so close right? and I know it, but I don't, I'm going to, I could probably name the entire rest of the card, but not the actual Pokemon. Right, right. There's, there's um, more that goes to this card that you we would give a giveaway, but uh, I am, I'm going to say Galarian Moltres, but I'm pretty sure it's wrong. Nope, it is Galarian Moltres. <laughs> I, oh, I figured... Oh, let's go. I want, I, I, if I would have done uh, Malevolent Charge as the ability, I think that was more of a giveaway. But I wanted to shout this card out because this card is amazing right now um, in the meta. Yeah. Um, yes. Especially with Arceus out there. Uh, and then just all those different options. So <laughs> it might have <laughs> been a little bit of a layup, but... I thought this card definitely needed to be mentioned. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it was a layup. I, I've just like I've seen that attack, and I was like, but I've seen wrath on a lot of different attacks. Right. So it was like, do I get the right card? Maybe I was gave it away too much, saying how much I love this deck already. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a good one. You almost you almost got me. Almost. I don't. I didn't think I was right. I should have just lied and <laughs> you would have believed me. <laughs> I, I would have because I didn't have any of the, I don't have any of that in front of me. So, right. Cool. Well, let's move on to our random card madness. And Rudy yes. there got to, in chat, got to pick yeah. the set that we, we're going to go, yeah. we're going to so, talk about today. Yeah. So, random card madness, usual, generating a number. We, we randomly generated our set from our chat today, which we've got battle styles. So we're going back to battle styles. 
and I'm randomly generating a number right now between one and 163. See the amount of cards in that set. Uh, the number we're getting is 66. It is not Mario Lemieux, but a good number. Good Pittsburgh. number. If, Very good um, number. We get a good Pokemon, though, in my eyes. Number 66 is Mankey, the fighting type Pokemon in Battle Styles with the um, 60 HP fighting type uh, basic Pokemon, single strike, weak to psychic. Weak to Psychus with, with the attack. Focus Fist for 50 damage. You flip a coin. This attack does nothing. Um, so, two energy. But let's be honest. If you're playing Mankey, which I did at one point in time, you're playing it for the evolution, which is Primeape. And right. he has... I don't know. My computer's being weird. Doesn't uh, uh, He has two attacks. One colorless attack. Field Crush. 20 damage if your opponent has a stadium in play discard it and then you have steam and mad strike which is for two fighting 50x this attack does 50 damage for each of your benched pokemon that has any damage counters on it um that's what you brought him for because if you have an entire bench of damaged pokemon that is 250 damage yeah it's not bad it's bad Especially with um, you know Arceus being out there, um, Gengar um, saw some success again. Where uh, uh, this may take advantage of a fighting weak uh, meta, plus it's a one prizer, um, and you know you can play this in combination with other cards, kind of boost it. <laughs> Arceus, I'm looking at you, just like it boosts anything. Um, well, it doesn't boost it as far as acceleration, but um, having basically two computer search will set up a board state um so maybe it, it you know it, we're in the era right now to well, to check out any pokemon i know a lot of it is v v max v star but any po not any pokemon but a lot of these pokemon might deserve a second look so maybe the uh thing with primate uh i i tried to make him work a lot when battle stars was first released a year ago uh he was one of the i always try and find a single price pokemon on every set release that i really like mm -hmm. um and primate was battle styles i mean i've done it with a bunch of different ones you know starmie was in fusion strike that one like things that just do x amount of damage and are really cool um this one i did get like a functional deck out of it and it could take pretty good knockouts you could easily like get to that 250 damage um you sometimes you brick that's the thing with the deck because it requires a lot of comboing right um nowadays i don't know if you could still do it because a lot of things i use to get the combo and the damage counters spread out uh have rotated because the spirit tomb was a big big guy mm. because you could just plop him down and then you have there there's and then he gives himself a damage counter um, and then uh, there was another card, Jinx, that moved damage counters around on your bench. So you can right. just, uh, you can hound doom an energy and then move a damage counter away kind of thing. Um, so it, that's what I mean. Like you could do it, but you don't have those kind of like tech pieces anymore. But there are more Pokemon now that do damage to your bench. Um, right. So Dawn maybe Fan's one. Yeah, maybe Dawn Fan is one. 
Uh, you might be able to pair him with something else. Um, be that fighting has a little bit more accelerant possibilities of, mm-hmm. of getting fighting and en- more fighting energies out. Cause that was one of the hard parts is the only way you really accelerated was Houndoom. Um, so there's that uh, to 250. And if you put a choice belt and you're hitting a V you're hitting 280. I mean, that's KO in most, that's KO in all the V stars that don't have big charms on them. Yeah. So the numbers, the math is cool. It's whether you can make it work. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with these single prizers. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into each attack. Um, so probably never going to see like meta play. Uh, but definitely a deck that's still probably worth bringing to locals, having fun, something different, um, maybe different format. So I, I wouldn't say it is just complete um, bulk, um, but I, I would say mo- maybe binder fodder that will come out to play every so often. Yeah, it, it at best it's rogue, right? If someone if someone could make unlock that Exodia box of combos that needs to make it work, right. because the attack is worth wild. But it's just very hard to trigger. Agreed. All right. Well, that's a random card, and it was madness, hence the <laughs> segment. And just like every other week, it's time to move into the meta report from our very own Tart Twig. Ladies and gentlemen, trainers and Pokemon alike, you're listening to Turtwig Talks the Meta. This is your host, Ryan, otherwise known as ry for gaming I am joined by none other than the best starter of all time, Turtwig. This week we have 14 tournaments, 1,066 unique deck plays, and 2,785 matches to cover this week. Without further ado, let's get right into those top 8s. So, not a lot of decks were played this week, so we had to, I just chopped this down to just two top 8 behemoths. Those being Arceus decks had 20 top 8s, and Mew Genesect had 29 top 8s. So that's really all for the top 8s this week. Let's hop into those boring meta numbers. So like I said, it was a very light week this week, so we don't have too much here. So these decks had over a 50% win percentage this week. Those being Mew Genesect, Arceus Inteleon, and Jolteon Inteleon. Notable changes to Arceus Duraludon, and because he's the solo member, those changes were a 5% decrease in win percentage. So it went under the 50% win percentage this week. Poor Arceus Duraludon, it's not looking so hot for you, my friend. You might need to change it up a bit and really get your swings back in. So I would like to give some appreciation to our local group at Heroes Inc. Comics by shouting out the winner of our Thursday Locals. This week, Jake won with his Arceus Inteleon deck because he decided not to ID this time. And now, it's time for the wins of the week. All these decks had a single win this week. Those being Arceus Duraludon, Duraludon, Jolteon, Rapid Strike Inteleon, Togekiss, and my current favorite deck of this format, Donphan Moltres. Arceus took home two golds this week, and who would have guessed it? Mew Genesect took home six wins this week. Now, I did want to note that the Salt Lake City Regionals did happen over this uh, time period, so there were players that were focusing more on getting their Salt Lake decks ready and not really playing to win, just going, okay, I want to get my Salt Lake City ready. And 
to tell you the truth, it probably skewed some data in saying that Mew's probably going to be really good. But as we saw from Salt Lake, Gengar did really good. And to tell you the truth, he was 7% uh, of the meta and with a 45% win rate. But he took home four top eight finishes in Salt Lake City. So, yeah, amazing. Great job, Gengar. I totally would not have expected that. I'm surprised that Gengar won the Salt Lake City event. So, without further ado, Turtwig worked hard on getting all this data ready just for you. So if you could let us know on Twitter at RY4Gaming your thoughts on this week's report. That does it for this week's Turtwig Talks the Meta. I hope you all enjoyed and had a wonderful time. Until next time, be safe and take care, Pokemon trainers. And back to the cast. All right, and we're back. Another great meta report with all the things happening. Now, I'm sure I can't wait to listen to that because this weekend is especially interesting because, of course, um, you know, Salt Lake City. Uh, so I'm, I'm yeah. interested to see what Ryan's uh, meta report was on, on that whole tournament. Exactly. And after every meta report, we obviously have to hit the news. So... Um, a lot of different news going on. Uh, we're obviously going to save regional talk. That's the main thing for right. a little bit later. But we do have some new card reveals. And uh, we got uh, uh, Rapid Ash Line and Hisui Sin- Hisu- I got Hisui Sneezler V. Hisui Sneezler V. Right. Say that really fast three times a susie slays larvy i can't i can't even do it once <laughs> you want me to take the sneezler <laughs> uh as you're you talking want... over there yeah, i'll take the want... sneezler yeah yeah so take the sneezler uh sneezler um a basic v pokemon with 190 hp um i believe that is a fighting weakness no uh no resistance and a retreat cost of zero so that might be coming in really really handy um, but it does have two attacks um, so the first attack uh, poison claw for free uh, so it doesn't cost anything your opponent's active pokemon is now poisoned um, so you know if in a pinch uh, again if you're in a deck that's trying to do special conditions out there um, potentially you know at least for free if you if you break out at least it's something um, so better than uh, a, a whole pass, uh, better than just passing. And then it has a second attack um, for a dark and a colorless dire claw or 80 damage times. Um, this attack does 80 damage for each special condition attached uh, or uh, affecting your opponent's active Pokemon. So <clears throat> the the thing with this Sneasler um, is that that dire claw attack, I mean, if if you guys if anyone's lived in a hole then you you might not know the salazzle thing which right. is basically that attack but on, it's 90 times on a single prize stage one right um this is 80 times on a on a basic for just 10 less damage for effectively what's going to be th- 30 less damage which you can make up with a choice belt if you're hitting these right um and this can easily, with the advent of uh, dark bell or dark patch, easily be able to do turn like you plop it down and do two hundred and seventy damage. Right. It it so, is it is nice. <clears throat> um, another 
added bonus that, like I said, um, well, let's go. Well, let's keep with the whole special condition, but let's you go down that rabbit hole. Well, that because we have the the tech of applying three special edition special conditions is there. Uh, I mean, the the Metapod Butterfree Adaptive Evolution stock is going to go through the roof for this card uh, because you can because of uh, Metapods and Caterpie's abilities, you can just evolve all the way up to Butterfree butterfly in one turn and then make the opponent's active Pokemon poisoned, confused, and asleep, I think. Well, mm-hmm. there's, three, that, there's three there. Um, no, burned. Burned, confused, and poisoned. Because then you do the, the 30, the, you add a choice belt, you do that 270, and then they get the 30 effect damage if needed for 300. Right. Um, That's crazy. It is crazy. So you can also pair this with the, you know, you have two on the field. Um, maybe throw a yell horn out there. Um, get them to have two status effects there. Um, and even retreat for free because that that free retreat is huge. That can even go into lots of different dark uh dark box decks um just because of that alone we've seen other pokemon with free retreat just been thrown in there just because it is a pivot pokemon yeah i mean that's a a sneaky pivot pokemon as well like that you can just right so i think this card may not be um super meta or meta defining necessarily but i do see it finding its way into a, a you know a dark deck as a one of two of um potential um I don't know. It, it seems like another a, a decent uh, filler V V card. Yeah. Um. It the the thing is, it, it requires like if you really want to do that, like three hundred damage that we, that I was saying, it requires a grass evolution to go along with it. That you have to be able to effectively get all three pieces of it in one turn. Um. So I mean, it is a little bit of a combo piece, but it I mean it could be good. And even if you only get, like you said, uh, two conditions, because there are ways to, uh, you know, within a dark deck, just to poison and confuse a, an opponent's active Pokemon. Um, that's still, we're talking 160 damage. Uh, maybe, it, I mean, and it's got free retreat. So maybe it's not your main focus and, and it does sneaky damage when you need it to. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's a card that we, we might see play. Uh, I was going to let you read this one, but I, I haven't read the abilities until right or the names until right now. And I want to take this one because this one, I, I, I feel we're going I'm going to have this as part of my trivia one day down the road on the podcast. So, guys, listen up, Chuck, remember this. Um, so we got our I'm going to skip the Ponyta because Ponyta is just you know another basic um, mm-hmm. nothing too special, but we got Rapidash stage one Pokemon for hundred HP. It has two attacks. So the first attack is one fire, uh, flare 30 damage. Um, no big deal. You're probably not using this. If you're using this, um, something's probably gone wrong. Um, and not to say that this next attack is like world shattering, uh, but probably one of the best names, uh, in a while. So we got a fire and colorless for the ring of fire. I mean, you can't, <laughs> it's the ring of fire. Um, 50 damage. Your opponent's active Pokemon is burned and um, it can't retreat during its, uh, during your opponent's next turn. 
You can't fault a good old Johnny Cash song. Right, exactly. Um, So we've seen cards like this before um, that really haven't seen a lot of play. Although I don't remember ever seeing like X amount of damage plus a burn condition um, in combination with you cannot retreat. So depending on the meta, depending on how much switch there is, how much escape rope there is, um, you could potentially lock something in the active and maybe not do, you know, the damage to kill them, but being able to stall them and buy turns that way. Um, there's, there's a little bit of value in that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and the burned is pretty nice of a condition and like have, and if they can't retreat, you kind of like, as long as they don't flip out of it, hopefully right. you get some extra damage out of it that way. Right. I mean, again, Maybe not world beating, but you might see this in a in a um, what is it a, a Zorark deck uh, stalling somebody? Um, mm-hmm. Since it is a stage one, you don't even need the ponytail out there, um, and you throw one of two of it in the deck. Um, and depending on what the situation is, that you know if it's energy uh, denial, they could take the seeking. If it's if it's trying to lock them in the active, if you know that they don't have any switch cards left, um, and you're you know milling them out of that. Hey, throw this guy down there and stick them in there for a couple turns and 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 or boss and then do that again um, and then just make it impossible for them to switch. Yep. Anything to keep them from switching. Those right. Kind of things can really help. Right. So Zora Arc players, um, I think Zora Arc players are going to actually like this um, just for that. It can't retreat. But enough about Rapidash. Let's go on to the next one. I, I kind of hoarded um, that article. So I'll let you take the next one, my friend. All right. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you took that whole first one. I will take this. Uh, we got some grass Pokemon to talk about as well. Uh, everyone's new favorite Beedrill is getting a V card. Um, so it's a basic Pokemon, 210 HP with a couple of attacks. Uh, we got Twin Needle, 40x damage, flip two coins. This attack does 40 damage for each heads. That costs one grass energy. Uh, so we got potential 80 damage there if you're lucky, uh, and then. Um, the main attack, Grass, Grass, Colorless, Swarming Sting. This attack does 50 damage times the number of Beedrill V you have in play to one of your opponent's Pokemon. So, if you have four Beedrill V in play, you can do 200 damage to anything. It just doesn't seem that good to me. Um, Two Grass and a Colorless. Mm. Plus, you need to have four dedicated slots for a drill, So you're not having a lot of spots on the bench um, for any kind of um, consistency. And you're not even hitting that magic number of, what, 220 um, or 230, like, like uh, Arceus, or not Arceus, but... Um, you could um, use Belt. Zashian. You could use Belt. Um, that just seems like a lot of work. And it's so weird. Um, that I, I'm more excited about that Rapidash that just says you can't retreat, basically, than I am about this Beedrill. Maybe well, I'm I mean, wrong, though. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. The Rapidash can almost, I mean, it can almost one-hit KO this thing. With the, uh, well, it's definitely two-shotting it. It's definitely two-shotting Definitely it. two-shotting it. But uh, the three energy is what's really killing me on this one because... I mean, I've seen the ability to swarm Pokemon and, and, and make things like this work. 
but uh, we're talking about doing it with two prizers now, and uh, it's three energy. Like right now, if you have three energy, you're running Arceus, and you need to attack with Arceus to charge this up. Well, if you put Arceus and then four Beedrills, like you're bent, you have one more bench spot left. Like right. it's just too much stuff. And then if you don't have four B drills, like I, I feel like you're not doing enough damage then. Right. And so, Rillaboom is, or yeah, Rillaboom is not a very um, consistent he, card to get out there. Rare candies, you're kind of talking yeah. about that. So, well, um, you're going to have a harder time getting Rillaboom set up than you are going to be talking, than getting your B drills. Right. Yeah. You get the B drills out there, but uh, accelerating, uh, maybe not so much. I'd, I'd almost say single strike B drills easier to pull off than this thing. Right with the whole mustard play, yeah. The I whole think mustard play. You're right. Um, I would rather so, play mustard Beedrill than <laughs> Beedrill. Single strike, single strike Beedrill is still the best Beedrill. You heard it here first. If that's a bad take in a year, I'll own it. That's fine. I don't think it will be. Now uh, let's go to the other half of this art because we have a Voltorb and an Electrode that is not a Lightning type Pokemon. Uh, we have Hisuian Voltorb and Hisuian Electrode which are now grass-type Pokemon, thanks to uh, Poe Legends Arceus video game. Um, so Voltorb uh, has a cool uh, free charge-up attack, uh, but you can only use this if you go second. And on your first turn, you choose up uh, two of your benched Pokemon for those Pokemon, search your deck for a basic energy card, and attach it to that Pokemon. So it's a basic Pokemon, completely free attack, uh, a nice way to accelerate to whatever energies you want because it doesn't specify just that they're basic. So you can put this in any deck and charge up any energy, um, and that's completely free. I mean, As I guess this is going to go in with Beedrill, right? Because you can put him down turn one and then accelerate to Beedrill? I guess. That's I still have potential. It's, it's, but it is, it's only one energy to two different Pokemon. Right. So, it's still not uh, quite there. Um other grass decks, maybe. I mean, we're already seeing this with um, with the Leafeon V. Uh, I think it probably doesn't belong in a deck like that. Uh, what else is there that are strictly grass? Um, not sure. I mean, it's it's a decent. It's a, it's a, well, that this doesn't have to go in a grass deck. That's right. The one thing with this Voltorb, it because it's just a basic energy. You can literally put it in whatever you want. Right. So there is a little um, bit of utility there um, for the basic Pokemon um, being free. Yeah. I mean, so with Voltorb, um, you can put that in anything. I, it may not be, I mean, it might have a niche use. Uh, it does evolve to Electrode to a very uninspiring evolution because uh, you have two free attacks, though. So you can do something with this Voltorb and or Electrode without having to commit any energy to it. Um, so if you evolve the Voltorb you can to Electrode, you can triple draw and uh, use your attack to draw three cards. Or you can just do 50 damage for free with Irritation Bomb. <laughs> so 50 free damage on a stage one with no energy needed. I mean, still, still not good. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's not. It's not good. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where you use that, but it's 50 free damage. It's 50 free damage. You know, you can put the, the belt on again, um, boosting that a little bit. I mean, it's not worth it to me. Um, the basic with the um, the charge is is probably 
the one time you may or may not see this, uh, I don't think you'll ever see the suing electrode uh, in, instead of the Voltorb. Yeah, I, I agree. Someone would have to find a really good use for that, that free damage. Right. So I'm not sure. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the next um, article here. I'll give, I'll take the greedent here. Um, okay. It does evolve from a Squovit, but we're not going to talk about the Squovit. Uh, greedent is a colorless Pokemon, 130 HP. Uh, it does have a weakness to fighting and a resistance to nothing. It does have uh, two attacks. The first attack, um, collect, draw two cards for one colorless energy. So I don't think you're ever going to see that. We just talked about Voltorb was free and you get three. So um, I don't think it's use, uh, useful. Let's see what the second attack does. Uh, <laughs> clearly, just the attack's name's dump. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 60 plus damage. Discard your hand. If you discard five or more cards in this way, um, this attack does 150 more damage. So without any other boosting attacks, um, it does 210 damage um, off the bat. If you use a double colorless, it's going to do what uh, 190 <laughs> and it's just going to take a big dump. <laughs> I, I, I just you have to affectionately call this dump greed it now. Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> there's there's smash and run greed and there's uh, tool finding greed and then there's dump greed. <laughs> There actually might be some uh, something to that. Again, um, doing potentially um, 210 damage on a, a one prizer, uh, depending on if you can chain them together, um, maybe good. If you get the the, the fighting uh, was the powerful fighting out there plus a belt, you're actually in the one shot zone of of um, V Pokemon um, with these other gradient versions you can have maybe one or two of these ones in there so they don't know if it's going to be like a support and then you can just dump it on them to take, yeah, I mean, <laughs> to take a knockout i mean you could actually the biberel makes this work every time like if you just don't care what your cards are uh right. you just you just have biberel on the bench you go okay dump and then next turn you go oh okay you can't return fire and knock out my green well uh dump. let me uh <laughs> let me it, industrious incisor is a five card hand Oh, cool. Dump again. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, that that's, seems ridiculous. I just don't want to put a lot of thought into another greedy card. I do. I cannot <laughs> wait. <laughs> you, were, you were talking about every set you wanted to find like a single prizer uh, and make that work. This is my card already. <laughs> I'm going to make uh, greedy work. I, mean, I can't wait. I, we have to see what other single prizes right now. This is like taking the cake, dude. Though. This better be part of the pre-release promos. <laughs> I want. And if, to see... it's a, if this attack doesn't stay dump, like this has to stay dump. This like, has I don't know. to stay dump. It cannot change. <laughs> TPCI do not change the name of the attack to anything please other than just do not dump. keep that. Keep that. Keep that. Please. <laughs> We're very immature here, uh, but, <laughs> but that. Oh, that was great! I got a good laugh out of that I one. I can't. Oh, I can't wait. No, just think about the Thursday Thursday night locals when you get to play Steve. Like, oh, oh, everybody's gonna dump, dump on your on deck. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, I'm sorry. We love you, <laughs> Steve. Steve just hates Creed. Right. <laughs> All right. So let's 
Um, not much more news to go on. Um, they did announce they are going to have a trainer's toolkit three. Um, no, no cards are officially revealed, but it's going to have, it's basically going to be the same thing. There's going to be some staple cards in there, um, some packs and, and some different arts of whatever card they, they choose, um, to be in there. Or did they say it's going to be the ice rider? No, it's no, it's just going to be the, the trainer's toolkit three. Um, yeah, but the cards are still to be to be announced. Yeah, I haven't heard about the the cards in the trainer's toolkit, but the next ver wave of battle decks, league battle decks, uh, will be Ice Rider and Shadow Rider, right? Um, like kind of like we had Urshifu uh, battle decks um, with Rapid Strike and Single Strike. You will get Ice Rider and Shadow Rider battle decks, which is cool. A little late to the party, I think, on those ones but pretty cool. Right. I agree. Um, but again, uh, it will help the newer player get in, uh, into the game. So, uh, nothing else to be said about that. Let's jump mm -hmm. on out of the news and into Salt Lake city, uh, because this weekend was a, almost like a holiday, uh, for Pokemon players. Um, if you were there or if you're watching mm -hmm. on stream, um, just seeing the meta being <clears throat> shaken up. I know we had Brisbane what, uh, the weekend uh, prior um, but they didn't stream anything, so it was more of a. It was it was there, but it was the excitement wasn't quite there because we didn't get to watch it, we didn't get to see it unfold, we didn't see the drama, um, we didn't get to see mm -hmm. the awesome players out there making really good decisions within the meta game, within each just individual game. Just seeing a lot of different plays out there um, was very impressive. Seeing those top level players, I mean, I know. Um, there, there are a lot of top level players that are seasoned vets, um, but there are a lot of people like you and me that came in right before pandemic or during pandemic um, and didn't get that feel. Um, so I think this was the first huge weekend um, for the that wave of players that me and you fall into. Yeah. Um, if you I, it, it, this is like this was like a Pokemon day for like anyone who was in like looking at competitive Pokemon play. Right. Like it was just a very big event. People were just excited to see how it goes. I've seen so many tweets over the weekend because I didn't have the ability to sit down and watch the whole event. I watched one or two, uh, one or two of the matches mm -hmm. because they streamed a lot of them. But um, I kept up looking on Twitter, just seeing feeds. And there was just a lot of people that were there that were just like, I'm so happy to actually be able to like play cards with someone across the table. Right. So it was a big weekend for competitive Pokemon. Yeah. There were a lot of, um, you know, a lot of good players out there. Um, and I, and there's too many just to give shout outs, but uh, um, there was a lot of fun stuff to do um, and, and watch. And so I want to first and foremost, get into this. Um, and I want to talk about Mew. Um, briefly, we're not going to talk about him a lot, um, but I do kind of want to say I told you so because I was on on the Twitter bandwagon the week before saying Mew is not going to win. He's not going to win. Um, and people were saying, oh, there's no way um, he, we're going to see him in vast numbers, um, make top eight, make top 16 um, and probably take home the win because it's just so consistent. Um, and I, I kind of feel like my my meta predictions are starting to get a little bit better. Uh, but I didn't necessarily anticipate no top eights from you, but he didn't win and he didn't actually sniff it. Or he didn't even get close. So um, why do you think it was that, that way? 
Um, well, my think is my thought is that a lot of the top players in the U S just don't want to play new. Uh, they uh, are more in tune with trying to play um, a more complicated, I'm not necessarily more complicated, but a more, I don't know, thought processed, right. More, a, a more, I'm going to say complicated just because it, it requires more thought, right. Then maybe a Mew deck might need in a counter deck to Mew. Right. Um, and maybe make the capitalize on the Mew matchup being super prevalent rather than playing, because I know top players probably hate playing the mirror. Yeah, that's the number one thing I see over there that it, they hate the mirror. Um, but I yeah. would, I would add to that where Mew is still a great deck. I'm not going to say it's not because it is, it is busted. It is a great deck, and it will win more tournaments. Um, but Mew strategy is very linear, and there's not a lot of play around to situations because most of your draw are based off ability, right? So that you don't mm-hmm. see successful Mew players play like Marnies or, or professors every so often you'll see a random one on the ladder. Um, but everything is based off that ability, 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 ability. Um, Path to the peak shuts that down. Uh, and with Arceus out there, you know, it has more, you know, options. Um, and even when you have a straightforward plan, um, a lot of times in the mirror, like sometimes you just have to dump your hand to get that evolution or get that Meloetta. Um, and you're losing those power tablets. So you're losing your damage modifiers. Um, and it's really kind of affects you mid to late game um, because you have no other choice. Um, with with uh, Arceus out there, the di- there's a billion different archetypes. But generally, you're still a slower, more methodical um, start. Um, but once you get that train rolling, you basically can take that deck in any direction you want to, depending on the game situation. And I think that more than people hating Mew, but more, I think it's more just that, that the vast amount of options, depending on the game state that you can do and choose when you want to do it. When with, with, with Mew, you're just kind of spitting cards up. Again, still a good strategy because it is a great deck. Um, but I think that is the reason why you might see, you know, Mew kind of start taking a little bit more of a backseat and not taking all the limelight. Yeah. Uh, and, and you might, I mean, a lot of players probably enjoy the, maybe the, especially the top players probably, uh, they'll take a higher ceiling deck that has the options Mm -hmm. of plays because they know they, they believe that they will be able to find them rather than take a, a deck that like you have said, is so singularly focused that. If you can't get that to go, then you lose. Right. Like, and then, you know, another thing that might have contributed to Muse downfall is not even just the linearity. And like I said, it's all about a based off abilities. It's, you know, that dark weakness is a thing. There's a lot of variety of dark attackers, especially with, you know, Arceus jumping into the meta um, that can charge up a V. Uh, v max and take a one shot on those on those muse um 
in addition to having baby prizers out there like the um, Galarian Moltres that we kind of had for uh, the trivia today um, and kind of set up that board state and, and take out that Clara when they want it um, with the Intellion engine with maybe holding off, um, you know, late game using Arceus's um, ability to draw that out there. Um, there's plenty of different, different situations where, you know, that deck can just flourish in different, you know, yeah. game states. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard of, uh, well, I mean, if you look at the, the standings and everything, you're going to see that there, Dark was very, very prevalent. Dark, Whether, was, pre- Dark was prevalent. Very, and, and going yeah. into it, there was, there was a lot of good players, and Gengar definitely came out to play. On uh, top eight, what we had, like yeah. four, five um, that came out that made top eight. Um, but there was also, you know, the, the, the AIM deck or the um, Arceus Inteleon with um, Moltres. So it had, yeah. you know, both the uh, Galarian Moltres V or V and the baby um, to give it different options, um, taking energies from there. Um, and I really, really liked, I, I got a shout out Ian Rob. Uh, he ended up get bubbling out after top eight, but his deck um was the most appealing to me with the different kind of options. And then even just throwing like that tech of a Galarian um, Zapdos in there as well um, for the pseudo mirror match or the Arceus mirror match. Um, so it gives it another option. So it has um, Oko options against both decks uh, of both top decks, as far as uh, Mew and Gengar. Yeah. Um, that's the, that's the thing that I noticed too, is that the, the Mew had, a lot going against it, but it, to kind of show that it still is a really good deck, uh, there's out of the decks that made day two, which is 73 people, there was 32 Mu V Maxes in it. Now, Mu V Max may not have made top eight, but they making day two is a feat. Yeah, making day two is a feat uh, for sure. You're not going to hold that many Mu's outside of, uh, you yeah, know, and there's two. 32 of them, right? Uh, I'd really like to know this feat, like how, how much of, that was almost half of day two players is mu v max i would like i i don't know the whole field because there's 624 people and you don't have uh like a like a limitless form to see that the metagame for the whole tournament necessarily right. but uh i would like to know how many mews were actually out there because that's that's a lot of mews in day two and it's kind of crazy that one didn't make the cut but that just shows the people i mean so there was beatable, especially when Gengar comes out to play. Well, so. it wasn't all Gengar. So there was a lot of Gengar out there. There was a lot of Arceus dark um, per se, even just, even just Arceus by itself with path to the peak, um, depending on different versions could lock it out. Um, but one deck that really surprised me that I personally counted out and I was hundred percent wrong um, was the Ludicolo and the Suicune. Um, wow. That deck, you know, made, Made it to the finals, lost. Um, but watching, I forget the player's name. It was uh, Dan Dan Lynch, uh, Finnegan. Finnegan Finnegan Lynch. Finne- Finnegan Lynch. Um, he, he played it masterfully, and he played it differently than I've seen anybody play it, um, at least on online and even in locals. And we have some top, uh, some good players here locally, but um, not trying to be super aggressive at the start because I know a lot of people. Um, you know, it's all about that speed at the beginning game, but setting up the board state, a lot of times he would set up, um, get that Sobble out in the active and, and, you know, keep calling. 
have four four solvables on the board. He takes a lot, you know, he take he loses a solvable, but no big deal. Um, you know, he has maybe a Ludicolo or two on the bench with a bunch of solvables. Never plays the the Suicune until it's time to start accelerating energy, accelerating um, damage with the the um, Ludicolo out there. Um, and every time, like he would lose a Suicune. Um, and think, oh, okay, well, how is he going to come back from this um, and, and do extra damage and just take uh, Oko's again? He kept doing it um, and and played it very well um, and really yeah. showed, I think, a lot of players in the same boat as us um, that sometimes patience in that, that board, setting up your board state to start is a little bit more appealing, um, you know, for that mid to late game and, and don't worry about getting those bees out right away. Just get those, get those setup Pokemon started. Um, don't give him any two prizers. Um, and he did that so beautifully all weekend. Well, I think he, one thing that I kept reading a lot on him um, in that his like test group was saying that, that Finnegan has played Suicune. Right. A bazillion times. Right. So he, he, so that's, yeah. That's to me, Finnegan's play of Suicune, and I've that was he was luckily one of the people I've watched right um, play uh, over the weekend. That was one of the games, and like you can tell, the man knows like every way and route that Suicune can be run to get to a, a position right. that he needs. Yeah, he all, just, yeah. Also with it. the. So, so with a deck like that and having to do those uh, damage boosters um, pointed out here in the chat is the cross switcher. Um, that is actually really a really good card for that specific deck. Cause you can't, you need the Melanie, you need the Raihan um, in addition to setting up your board state. So those cross switchers uh, were, they came up huge multiple times. Um, so that was great. Another thing just outside of his play. Um, and I know we've kind of talked about it in like preparation to go IRL. Um, but he, I don't know if I've noticed it with anybody else, but he had a notepad, a blank pad of paper, and he would write down notes um, in the middle of the game, what he was out of, what, what was his cards, what was the damage he needed to do or anything like that, um, you know, at head table. So I know a lot of people might think um, it's taboo to do that or, or intimidated to bring something else out there to help that. But he um, brought that notepad out there to help him you know, in the game states and keep him fresh. Um, and in addition to saying like he played over 500 games, um, you know, leading up to this in a short amount of time. So um, those are things you need to do to make those kind of plays and hats off to him. Hats off to a lot of these guys um, yeah. with some definitely awesome deck choices and great, great plays. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was fun to keep track of. I, I was watching. Um, I'm was interested to see how far, uh, a Malamar VMAX could could go. Mm -hmm. uh, he made it all, all the way up to, I believe, 11th was his highest placing. Right. Um, no, Malamar was a low-key play there. Um, I know one of my testing partners, Homemade Biscuits, maybe, was thinking about bringing it and then changed it to Gengar at the last minute. I, I was hoping he would bring that Malamar because um, Malamar with that disruption, the, the one shot on, on the Muse, uh, definitely could have been a play to make for sure. I think I might be wrong. I think it might be only 18th because I think Malamar in the listing is actually referring to Rapid Strike. Rapid Malamar. Strike. Yeah. Well, uh, Rapid Strike again, another solid single strike deck. Um, yeah. Before we move on to any other decks, I, there's two deck archetypes I want to bring out. 
Um, and it was like, I, I'm writing so small here. Uh, I can't. Charlie Lockyer uh, playing a Santa Conda deck. Oh, it, oh it, yes. It, yeah. So I think a lot of people were rooting for him, um, trying to see if he would go fur, further um, and try to win that tournament with Santa Conda. So I think the price of Santa Condas might be going up shortly. Um, so that was pretty uh, uh, impressive to see that as well. Um, although we didn't, I didn't get to see any of the games on stream um, or exact deck list, but uh, it seemed like he brought the spice. Yeah, it, he had, well, his, his listing on Pokestats is uh, he made it to ninth, uh, all the way up to ninth place uh, with oh. a, basically a box of oh. Flygon V, Beedrill, and Sandicon of Max. That's so unfortunate. So, I with saying ninth, we I, we do have to bring up the the semi drama um, of what happened during the weekend. Um, so I'm not going to name names or put anybody on blast, but um, one of the players that made top eight was disqualified after um, the judge. The judges just did the standard um, deck checks on all the um, all the players, you know, their, their decks, their sleeves, all that stuff. And it did, it, I'm not hundred percent sure, but it did sound like he marked his, his car or his sleeves. Well, specifically for the double colorless energies. Yeah. That was the, from what I uh, read, that was the, it was a DQ for marked cards. Right. Um, sleeving. I heard three V grapevine that they right. were, it just so happened. Like it was, Someone could argue that it was manufactured defects, but when they're all on your double colorless energies, it kind yeah, of like, that, it, yeah, when it's only on the um, double colorless, it makes it a little. Um, but it, although it, you know, I'm not one to say he he was like intentionally doing that or whatnot, but just just I guess it's a lesson to just make sure your sleeve bring extra sleeves. It you know you never want to be put in that position um, yeah. that that you can potentially get DQ'd you know in that situation. Um, yeah, so. making top eight, but I mean, another, I guess, drama point was a lot of people were kind of upset because Charlie could have been jumped up into that eight spot, but I guess with the timing of everything, um, they just decided to just give, uh, I believe it was Zach Cooper gets that free win in the first round of top eights, um, yeah. essentially getting a buy, um, would have been awesome to get to see Santa Conda jump in there and take that spot. Um, but it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, I don't even think they, I don't think they even have him listed on air. I think Charlie bumped up to t- nine from ten. Oh, okay. Uh, to be to be honest, I might I might be mistaken, but I don't recognize the name on on the list of who. Right. Uh, that would have been cool because like I think Sadikana might have had a chance with all those Gengars because Gengar is weak to fighting. Um, yep. So Sadikana might it was that close to having its day, um, potentially. Yeah, I mean. There is some, I mean, he was definitely one that brought some, some spice to the meta that went pretty far. Right. Um, another deck that I was hoping was dead, um, but it seems, you know, with, you know, good play <laughs> and, and path of the peak, um, Jolteon, a, another one of those, um, you know, decks that is still a solid, solid play with a lot of this meta going on, um, you know, if it could set up as consistent as it has in the past, um, it could still take on those Mews. We've seen it in the past, you know, at worst 50-50. Um, now I've said 
you know, against Arceus, it might feel a little bad because you're three-shotting a two-prizer plus having that Sharon's care. Um, but it's finding a way to knock out those Sobbles or and or what el- whatever else is, um, you know, in that deck. Um, so Jolteon's not actually gone. So, you know, the, all those Jolteon players dust off that deck and uh, bring it back out. Yeah. Because... Um, I mean, he was. That was the deck that was just a sliver away from making it in the cut. So, right, right, and then um, so there were there was a cut of thirty two. Um, was that to make day two or make it uh, into phase three? I guess it was it. Um, you made no, cut, um, and then there was made a, day, day, made there day was, two. Then there was then a cut did. to thirty two. Then a cut to eight. But there was a cut to thirty two, and two people. Um, bubbled out there um with having enough points or i'm sorry having 32 points to make top eight that's what it was um and they ended up bubbling out um just because it's high breakers which is kind of unfortunate and i i forget i think it was charlie and andre that got the ninth and or you know the eighth and ninth or ninth and tenth or whatever those were to just miss it so um, still great job on those guys part to, um, you know, go that far, have 32 points, um, and, and represent themselves and their decks and their testing groups. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and talk. There was a lot of play with Arceus and Teleon with a Bibarel, um, a one, one, two, two line of Bibarel in there, um, just to kind of draw you extra cards. Cause a lot of times with shady dealings, um, you can specifically grab the cards you want, but sometimes they're, you're just like one or two cards short and just being able to raw draw into cards is sometimes what you need. Um, so what and we saw, um, what, I think it was Gabriel Smart and um, Raul Reddy's their testing group. Um, I don't know the whole um, group there, but they all brought Bibarel. And I think, um, you know, the majority of them made cut. Um, so what, what's your thoughts on Bibarel in this meta? Um, seeing, seeing a spot, um, in those kind of decks, uh, I mean, Pivarot, when we when he's been released, we we knew he was going to be a good draw power. Um, and putting him in uh, in a deck that can use maybe a little bit extra draw uh, rather than because the Bibarel seems like it goes with the, the they've been sliding him in with the Gengars and right. then Arceus, and they give that extra draw power. On top of the search power that you might be getting from maybe a Hound Doom or something like that, um, it just helps out and, and keeps it more consistent. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't agree more. It, it it does seem like a card that will help you, um, you know, draw on those, you know, those raw abilities, and you're not trying to like specifically pull out specific cards, especially with those st- single strike kind of decks um, that typically have a low hand size anyway. So. Um, Bibarel came out to play, um, represented, and I think a lot of people counted that card out at the start because it just seemed a little too slow. Um, but no, it, it, you know, he came out and, and showed everybody that he has a he has a spot. Yeah. All right. So going in, okay, we've we've got to talk about Gengar into a little bit more depth. There were, we said what uh, five that made top eight. Um, majority of them, let's talk about the, the more traditional Gengar version. Um, 
with the hound dooms with that with the energies uh with the single strike energies uh, your earner vitalities boosting that damage um accelerating in that way um you saw the majority of those gengars play that way um do you feel that is the better version um even though that version didn't win how do you feel about the you know the 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 energy acceleration the the damage acceleration although you are hurting yourself so pros and cons i guess uh, pros and cons um i haven't seen andrew kennett who is the winner i haven't seen his exact 60 card list yet at the moment um uh, but the the houndooms i mean it's very consistent i think the gengar is just the easiest thing to set up with the houndooms to be able to then smash opponents with enough damage i mean everything wants to play v's at the moment so um I don't know. I, I, I can't say that it's the best way to play it. I, I don't want to say that because right. um, Andrew Kennett's list obviously took the whole cake, but I mean, the Gengar and just Houndoom list uh, has done really well. The one tech card that I've been seeing and a lot of them in, in Gabriel smarts that I know he was talking about in Twitter afterwards, this tool jammer was very big being able to turn off other people's, um, balloons or belts just maybe to save just the right amount of damage or right. or or specifically maybe it's those big charms that uh are are keeping people out of gengar's range right which now he's in their back in range or something like that so i think it is a solid you know a solid deck um but a deck like that uh still does lend to a little bit of inconsistencies um, because you're saving so much bench spot for your um, for your multiple hound doom because you need to have multiple out there to kind of get that train rolling. Um, I do want to talk about Andrews and I think it might be just a little bit better. You have a little bit less of a, a damage um, cap there. Um, but the consistency just seems better um, with having you know the shady dealings out there, um, with having Bibarel out there. Um, and then just being able to accelerate in different ways with Arceus, with, um, with um, Raihan, um, and things like that. Um, but there were two cards that Andrew played that I didn't see a lot of that made huge differences in a lot of the games I play, or watched him. And he had the Tool Scrapper, um, which again got rid of um, Capes of Toughness um, that that were keeping his opponent, you know, out of that range for the knockout. Um, and then also against like that Suicune, and we've seen it against Mew, uh, has success, is the, uh, the the Collapse Stadium. The Collapse Stadium, I think, won him the regionals in that finals. Not being able to give, you know, Suicune enough damage out there, you, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, we saw Lynch play, play it well, um, but he didn't have a counter stadium to bump it and it just made him play on hard mode the rest of the game. Um, so those are two cards that were, you know, game changing, I think, uh, in, in, in that matchup. Yeah. I mean, in that matchup, definitely game changing in clap stadium. I mean, it hurts Mew as well because you, you, you have to decide what to get rid of mm -hmm. in that case. And, and, uh, you're eliminating uh, the Muse draw, but then hey, when you're talking Suicune too, that's a hundred. 
not 100 damage, but that's 40 damage, 40 crucial damage that you uh, are basically taking out of their hands that they can't get back unless right. they bump that stadium. Yeah, no, and he wasn't playing any counter stadiums. I don't think uh, Suicune usually does because it doesn't normally need anything. Path of Peak doesn't really affect it. Um, and anything else really kind of helps it generally. Um, so I, I, I don't think they usually want to waste that yeah. deck spot for a stadium to, yeah. to bump. Yeah. But in that specific matchup, it definitely hurt. And in that matchup, well, and, and Dan Finnegan Lynch didn't have – he is not playing a stadium. So he's – He's not worried about any stadiums in general. Just the, his consistency with his is on. Te, in, it was with Intellions, and and none of the stadiums that are currently in the meta, besides that collapsed stadium, really have an effect on his deck in a way that he can't really that hurts it that much. And collapse is probably the best the best stadium to play against it because uh, it's just limiting his damage potential which is already kind of on a razor's edge because he's and seeing him playing the, the round before he get it. He's just, just getting to the numbers that he needs to get to for knockouts. And then when he needs to get to that 280 or even 320 Mark with, with for V maxes that using those Ludu Colos, that's when he pulls them out, but you can't use that just to hit a 220. You can't be bringing out Ludu Colo just to hit 240. Like that's something that, or, or that's something he should be able to hit regularly. You right. know what I mean? No, I agree. Um, so again, that, that was a, a great call on, um, on Andrew's part um, for those texts um, really just kind of showing his skill um, throughout the weekend. Um, there were so many more, uh, you know, different plays uh, and deck decisions um, going into it. Were there any that stood out to you? Um, I know that there's no deck list officially posted on any of the sites, but you know, there's, there's a bunch on Twitter, Facebook groups and all that um, fun stuff. Were there any decks that caught your eye um, that we may not have mentioned? Um, I, I mean, when someone brings out Santa Con of Emacs, I mean, that kind of catches your eye because I, the, no one, I don't think I remember seeing anyone play those cards, but right. Um, I mean, it catches your eye and you go, wow, how, um, but then someone just, you know, believed in the card and, and made it work within the format. So, I mean, that might be something that someone, you know, might, people might, if you go to a locals this week or, uh, play on some online tournaments, look out for Santa Conda VMAX. He's probably mm-hmm. going to be played because those kind of things kind of catch on now. Um, but yeah, that's one that caught my eye. Um, just on the sheer ability of it, it, it doing as well as it did. Right. Uh, I, I, and going into the, with you saying Santa Conda, there were a lot of different decks, but um, we've, we've said multiple times on the cast where you don't always have to play the best deck. Um, just play the deck you're most comfortable with. Right. Um, so Santa Conda is a very good example. I don't know how many reps he had with it, but I mean, I'm assuming he put his time into trying to make that deck work. Um, and it's not the nobody would probably say it is the best deck in the format. But if you know your deck, you know your outs to your matchups. Um, a deck like that can do a lot of work. Um, so why not bring it? You're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a couple of guys that did bring some stuff that is a little, you know, off the kilter that did really well. Yeah, I know there was a Gyarados that made day two. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just, I was going to bring him up too. Uh, he, the one, one is basically an RC Italian, but he threw a one, one Gyarados V max in that deck made 33rd place. I mean, right. That's uh, no, it's impressive. Yeah. You, you think it's something impressive enough. You'll make it work. Right. Practice uh, it enough. So again, one last thing, kind of a closing comment. I, since we're getting clear towards the end, um, just watching all these plays back and forth and the, the close matches, um, where on both sides, even you no know, matter who won, like a player would get knocked out and it would look like, oh, they don't really have a good situation to get out of this. Um, and then every turn, those good players came back and counter blue, even though it didn't look like necessarily they had a good hand, uh, a good board state. Um, but they, you know, they work their way out of it a lot of times, a lot of times getting that wins um, when you wouldn't think so. And I think that's a big lesson to newer players, to moderate players, to, you know, those those players that just are kind of right there in that middle um, is, is don't just give up on a play. And I get I, I know a lot of times this happens on the ladder, um, but I still see it locally sometimes where you just don't have or it doesn't seem like you have the outs. Um, you just got to take a cooler head and, and maybe think of a different way. Think of a different angle um, to get out of the, the situation. Um, and, and I think a, a lot of people may like just quit the game or not quit the game, but like concede the game uh, or concede a game when there still is a way out in a win condition. So always place your outs. Like even if you don't get there, it's always good practice to play to your outs, even if it doesn't look great. Obviously in a timed match, round one, round two, and you need to get like, that's a completely different situation. But if it's, if it's a game that's still in reach, um, play to your outs and, and take a second to yourself um, and just think of different ways. Because I, a lot of times we have like a set goal um, where we think X, Y, Z needs to happen this turn and then you're good to go. But if that doesn't happen, you're like, ah, um, there's always a way out. There's usually a way out. Um, yeah. <laughs> So when, yeah, that, when was, you're that was definitely on point and, and on dis full display this weekend um, on a, most of those matches. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you should, when you're trying to practice a deck, you definitely want to try and get all like play all to your outs. So, you know, the ins and outs of a deck. Um, I mean, that's, that's where you're going to see, like we said, Mr. Lynch with the sweet coon plays it so much. Mm -hmm. He knows, he knows each and every one of his outs that he can get with that deck, which is what took him to a deck that pretty sure not, I mean, people might thought it was good, but probably didn't think it could hang in the meta anymore with the, the newer stuff that's right. come out, especially with new Emacs, but he took it all the way to the final table off of experience and, and, and knowing how the deck plays. So there was a prime example of that where there's a back and forth on all three games that went to game three, um, yeah. where every time the opponents took out, if you can find uh, Finnegan Lynch's matchup against Xander Perot, um, which was playing an Arceus deck, that, yeah. that match, uh, all three games, back and forth, back and forth, very, very close. Um, yeah. Great sequencing on both players. Uh, um, Xander played that beautifully um, the whole way through. Um, those are the kind of games and situations I think a lot of players can learn from. So uh, I don't know if it's posted yet up on, on YouTube or anything like that. Um, but you guys, if you, if you guys want to improve your game and, and a prime example matchup to do that, I think that is it. Um, Daniel or um, Finnegan Lynch versus Xander Perot. Yep. That's a top eight match. 
Right. No, that was that was a fun fun one to watch. Yep. That was one I actually did watch. <laughs> right. So cool. Um, but I think that's about going to do it for our cast here. Unless Chuck, you had anything to close us off with. No, I mean it was a uh, great results. It was fun watching all this like happen like right. via Twitter and everything. It was really, really, really neat to see um just the competitive landscape kind of unfold. Right. I, I can't wait to go to Indy. Um, this just gets me more, more and more amped up where I just want to throw in the time um, to get good. I want to make those streams um, and, and you know, put Triple P on the map that way. Um, yeah. And even if I don't do well, I, just to be out there, to be part of the group, because um, although we are a big online community, um, and, you know, support each other, Twitch, uh, Twitter, and, you know, locals and all that. And it's great. Um, but when you meet all these people within the broad community of Pokemon uh, online, but not actually get to see them, you still kind of feel a little bit disconnected. Um, so I can't wait to just like dive face first into it and, and get some games in uh, and, and uh, you know, enjoy um, what the Pokemon community has to offer. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how the meta adapts after this, too, right? because like not that like this is like like a hot take, I guess, but like just what like looking at the standings, looking at what made top 16. And I'm just like, I see a lot of Pokemon that were fighting weak, but like there's no fighting Pokemon in the meta right now. And if like they might find a way, if someone can find a no, way, dude, it's Galarian uh, Zapdos V. Like I told you, yeah. Ian Rob had the deck that I thought was going to win because he had answers to everything. I don't, unfortunately, he lost on a non-stream game, so I didn't see how he did it. Um, he yeah. was honest and said it was completely uh, misplay on his part and nothing to do with the deck. Um, and again, after a long weekend, I mean, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> we kind of talked about it after full grip um, where, you know, I, I kind of hit that wall. Um, so that kind of can happen to anybody. And I've seen multiple posts on, on Twitter where they're like, Oh, I was doing great until I hit that wall and I made some bad decisions. So again, that mental prep, that physical prep is very important as well as, um, you know, the, the, the cards that you actually bring. That's what I mean. I'm excited to see what might, what, what decks might adapt to be able to counter what we're seeing, do well here this weekend just to see um what changes a little bit right so no i can't wait um it's it's we're in the full tilt of the season just getting to watch all these uh hopefully um all these regionals outside of us will start streaming um and they weren't just like all of them are not like brisbane um and we can have these same kind of weekends because it was very enjoyable um to watch these players yep all right, with that, I'll, that is it. Another cast wrapped up. I was right. right. You didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, you were. You did call that. I took the easy route. I guess I lost my bet. Right. I think most people <laughs> did. <laughs> if people were betting on Mew and it was like five to one or whatever, the easy odds, they, would, they lost a bunch of money. Right. Let's go. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks again for listening to the Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast. Uh, As always, if you could do us and future listeners a favor and leave us a like, a rating, or a review on whatever your podcast platform of choice is, it goes a long way to helping out the pod. Plus, Jake, where can you reach us directly? 
Yeah, you can get me at Panucks1 on Twitter, as well as Chuck at WatchWimsy and Ryan at RY4Gaming. You can also reach us on Twitter for the whole Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast at PitPokeyPod. Thanks again, guys and gals. We'll see you all next time. See you later.